I feel certain that most all of you, maybe every single one of you, have put some thinking into this subject matter that we're going to examine from James today. As you well know, if you've been around here any length of time at all, we started several weeks ago in James chapter 1, verse 1, this very amazing book of practicality and wisdom, and we just started in each week. We've just been walking through it section by section, and now we're coming to the end of it, to the fifth and final chapter, another message or two that, uh, that I will bring out of this great book. But uh, I want to begin, even before we get to the text that we're going to look at today, by saying to you that I totally believe in the power of God. I totally believe in the power of God, and you would not be able to convince me otherwise. I believe that there is no limitations as to what God is able to do. I believe that God, you know, as the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, forever. I believe the miracles of Jesus in his mission and everything that he sought to accomplish in his life, he is able to equally accomplish those same things today. And I want to just say to you, and I believe this to the core of my soul, that if there's anybody here this morning that you need a miracle from God, then I'm happy to tell you that God is more than able to cause that to happen. And in this incredible New Testament book that we've been engaged in, James gives us some great insight into this matter of healing. And to be honest with you, I can't remember the last time, you know, certainly I would reference it from time to time, but I can't remember the last time that I've given an entire talk just based on this matter of healing. And and I don't want to give you my opinion because my opinion really doesn't matter a whole lot. I don't want to tell you what other people think. I don't want to tell you the philosophical, philosophical bet that other people may feel in regards to healing. All I want to do is go to the Bible, as we're going to do, and look and see what James, as he's inspired of the Holy Spirit, tells us in regards to if we're sick, if we have a disease, if we need a touch from God, if we need supernatural intervention, what we can ask God to do. Now, I, I do want to say on the front edge of this talk that I've been around long enough now to have seen uh, numerous people, not scores and scores, not multitudes of people, but I have seen numerous people who have been dramatically, supernaturally, some of them almost instantly healed by the power of God. Others, it was more progressive in nature, but I've seen people touched by the power of God. They had a serious health dilemma. They prayed and sought out the prayers of other people. They exercised as much faith as they could potentially accumulate. And supernaturally, only by God, could their sick or diseased body be healed in the manner in which it was healed. Now, I I do want to, on the flip side of that, because I I want to be totally transparent, and uh, the Bible gives room for us to you know, question, why did this not happen in the way that we had hoped that it was not, uh, did not happen? Why was this prayer not answered? Why was this prayer not answered in the way that we hoped? And people in the Bible, the Bible does not hide that from us. People who had big time questions as to why did God not answer a particular prayer in the way that they had hoped that God would answer that prayer. So on the flip side of that, I must also tell you, I have known other people who have prayed similar heartfelt prayers, who have invited mature believers and elders to pray for a sovereign touch from God in their own life, who possessed at least an equal amount of faith, but for some unexplainable reason, their healing did not occur. And we probably ought to speak to that as well. So I'm not going to try to dodge that. We need to give some airtime to that as well, and we will 
in the next few moments. But I want to begin with our passage today. Again, we're picking up in the latter portion now of James. We've come to the fifth and final chapter, and we come down to verse 13. And there's like two questions that are asked, all right? And then there's a third question asked, and there's much more of an answer given to the third question. So let's take a look at it up here on the screen. So everybody, look at this passage with me. This is out of James, verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? That's question number one. Is any one of you in trouble? And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on that, but some of you would say, you know what? I do have some trouble in my life. I've got some trouble. Some of you would say, some of you fellows might would say, I've got some big trouble because my wife gave me a list of what she wanted me to accomplish around the house yesterday in the yard, whatever, and I didn't get it done. In fact, I was slacking, and Pastor Jeff, I'm in some trouble. I need some help, all right? Is any one of you in trouble? What should he do? What does it say? He should pray, all right? Is anyone happy? Now, I will ask you to raise your hand. You may not be perfectly happy, but maybe on a scale of 1 to 10, you would be, your happiness meter would be at least a 6 or a 7. How many of you would say, you're pretty happy? Let me just see your hand. I'd raise my hand. Pretty happy person. All right. Is anyone happy? So what should this person do? Let him sing songs of praise. That's the second response to the second question. Now, third question. Is any one of you sick? Is anybody sick? I'd have to ask you that. Is there any of you that you have, you have a health issue? You have a physical abnormality. You've got a problem. You've got a challenge. This is what James is speaking to. That's why we're speaking it, uh, to it this morning. Is any one among you sick? He should call. A much more expansive answer on this third one. He should call the elders of the church to pray over him. And anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Look at the next portion. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Now, this is, this is straight out of the Bible. I'm not making this up. I did not find this somewhere. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And so what I want to do over the next few moments is I want us to capture three observations in this time that we have together today. Uh, The first thing that I want to mention, and I'll I'll give you, again, three observations, and you may want to get them down somewhere uh, on your phone, your iPad, your tablet. You may want to jot down a couple of things, some corresponding scripture if you would like. But the first observation that I want to make, and when I make this one, you're going to say, like, how did you get this out of this stage? But let me just give it to you, and we'll talk about it for a few moments. The first observation is simply this, that James makes an assumption that every follower of, of Jesus is connected to a local church. Let me say that again. James, right out of the gate, and you see this, and I'll show it. I'll point it out to you so it's crystal clear in your mind as well. James makes an assumption here that every single follower of Jesus is connected to a local church. Maybe you're saying, well, how do you, how do you get this out of this text that has to do with healing? Well, it's not back up on the screen, but I'll just read to you the first portion of it. It says, is anyone, remember his language, he says, what should a sick person do? James said, a sick person should call the elders of the church to pray over him. That's what a sick person should do. It should call the elders of the church that they are connected to and to have those elders pray over them. Now, I want to just pause here for just a moment and say that it is vitally, vitally important for believers to belong to a local church family. It's just incredibly important. This is a familiar place 
where you are known and where you know others, where you love and you are loved by others, where you care for other people and you are cared for other people. This is the way that Jesus describes his body, his body. And the Bible often, when talking about a church, it uses one of two analogies. It uses a body and how that a body is connected and the hand can't say to the foot, and the foot can't say, and the eye can't say to the ear, and, and that it all comes together. And Christ is the head. But when the Bible talks about the church, it talks about a body, a body working together, the functionality of that being one. The other description term that the Bible uses and Jesus often referred to when talking about his church was this idea of a family. And it's so important that we belong to a family. So when James makes these instructions about what we should do, he does not say. Now, you can check it out in any translation you want to go to. You can look at the most modern of translations. And you're never going to find James saying, is any among you sick? Let him Google all churches in his or her particular zip code. James does not say that. He does not say, all right, just look it up and you, you know, just fine. He does not say, you check it out. He does not say, is any among you sick? So go ahead and call the phone number on your television screen. And here's what's going to happen. The TV evangelist will send some spiritual foot soldier to your house to pray for you. James does not say that either. What James says is anybody sick, anybody need a supernatural intervention of God in their body, in their mind, this is what you ought to do. Call for the elders of the church, ask them to pray for you, have them anoint you with awe, and believe that you're going to receive a healing touch from God. And how can you call the elders of the church if you don't really belong to a church body? I mean, that just goes without saying. And, And James makes that assumption right up front. And I want to just take a moment and speak to many of you and, and just applaud you. And I think about so many of the young families in our church. And, and I know that you live very, very busy lives. And the young singles and the older singles and everything in between. But especially in this regards, I want to speak to you younger families who have small kids. And I want to commend those of you who have said to your family, you know, God is a priority in our life. And we serve Jesus. And we are Christians. And we love God. And we want to obey God. And you know what you're doing? You are demonstrating. You are exemplifying to your kids that what you are saying you actually do because your kids see the congruency of the fact that you're not only saying this, but you belong to a church. You're connected to a church. You're faithful to a church. You don't just go when you feel like it, or you don't just go when you don't have something better to do. I mean, you are demonstrating faithfulness to them. On the other hand, and again, this is not you, obviously, you're here, but on the other hand, there are or so many times, and I see this, and I witness this, and I see the confusion among the kids is because a, a parent, a mom or dad, or both may say to their kids, you know what? God is the priority of our life, and we love Jesus. We always want God to be first in our life, and we're Christians, and, and it's just like just never connected, just no roots, no depth, no growth. And it's like, okay, well, kids, you know, uh, let's all get ready. We don't have anything else going on today, so we might as well just go to church. And again, that is very, very confusing to kids. So again, having said that, I want to compliment you, and you're not only talking about it, but hopefully all of you are demonstrating that, you know, that you, you are putting action to what you say. Now, I know a guy, who, and I know this guy quite well, who has been very sick for a matter of months now. 
I sincerely believe, and I do want to say this, I sincerely believe that this guy loves God. I believe that. I believe he loves God. I've had conversations with him about this matter that I'm going to mention to you. What is his relationship with God? Has he received Christ as his personal Lord and Savior? Has he been born again into the family of God? Does he know that he has a sure place in heaven? Has he received Jesus? And he has said to me, uh, uh, on the occasions that I've asked him, just reaffirm me, yes, I've received Jesus. I believe I'm in right standing with God. Yet for some reason, and this is troubling, I don't mind telling you, this is troubling to me that for some reason, this guy who loves God, and I don't question that, who has received Jesus, I don't doubt that, yet for some reason, he is elected to miss out on many of the benefits of belonging to a local church. He's missing out on friends that he could develop, friendships that he could have. People that he could get to know, I, I get here early, as you all know, on, on Sunday mornings, and I was looking around at many of our serving teams and people who are getting this place ready uh, now in uh, four different theaters, the two party rooms that have to be converted from a theater to a church and then back to a church again as soon as everything is done here after a while. And I look at these people serving together, and they like each other, and they're enjoying, and they're laughing, and they're talking, and you can see the emergence, emergence of friendships that they have. I think about our small groups that are going to get started, you know, as we come out of summer into the fall months and how exciting that is going to be when we sit around in homes and we gather together in places and we're learning about God and we're growing in God. But in the midst of that, we're building some friendships with people that we want to do life with. And I just think about this guy and others like him who will not enjoy the benefits of something like that, not making friends, not having friends who are going to visit him when he's in the hospital because he's overlooked that part of his life. He's neglected corporate worship as we enjoyed this morning in such a wonderful way, something that could enrich his soul and cause his faith to become more vibrant. He's missing out on messages from a pastor in the city where he lives with that would no doubt enlarge his faith and reveal the magnitude of his God to him. And how is it possible? It's not that he could call for the elders of the church to pray for him when he has no church. And I just think, man, it doesn't have to be that way. That's not how God intended. In fact, in any setting like that, when that happens, people who who are just not connected like that, everybody loses. Everybody loses. God loses. The church loses. And especially individual loses. That individual misses out on so many great things that God could do through the life and ministry of that church. And they just choose not to be a part of that. Now, listen, you, you've got to know, I'm a, I'm a positive guy. I, I speak positively. I think positively. In fact, to the point uh, of a fault that sometimes I'm so positive in my thinking and in my talk that I want to overlook some painful, dark realities that I know are in existence. And so having said that, I, I, I do want to be just so candid and so clear that you fundamentally understand this. And that is, and, and again, this is not doomsday. I'm a positive guy. I'm not, you know, trying to scare anybody here. That is not my tactic or mannerism. That's not a part of who I am. You know that by now. But, but I want to just say, I believe that for everybody, for everybody, at some point in your life, your world is going to get rocked. It will. It will. I, I just don't see how somebody can go from birth to death and not at some point in their existence, not have their world really rocked. And when you do have that happen to you, you're going you're gonna to hope that you have made some commitments, that you're growing, that you have some roots, that your roots run deep, 
Because, listen, friends, one day that's going to happen, and you're going to need a church. And don't let that happen to you. Don't do as so many people do. Just say, well, you know what? I, you know, I, I, I love God, and I've received Jesus, but, I, I, you know, I, I don't need church, don't want church, don't, you know, it's not, well, it's not even a big deal to me. Because one day, listen, 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 you, one day you're going to need a church. You're going to need a church. And you're going to want somebody that are going to, some people that are going to love you through your challenge. Some people that are going to join with you and pray for you and believe with you and be there to support you and carry, care for you because everybody at some point in time has their, world get, has their world get rocked. And when you do, when you do, you're going to want a place that can love you and support you and help you through your crises, all right? So that's number one, the first observation. Let me give you a second one. I need to keep moving here. Secondly, James wants us to know that when we pray that we should do so with great faith expecting to believe that when we pray when we pray we should pray with faith we should pray believing that we're going to receive verse 15 again it's not on the screen but let me go back to james 5 this is the a part of verse 15 and he says and the prayer offered in faith he's already said is in one among you sick let him call for the elders of the church church let him pray believe the lord's going to heal the sick and then he says and the prayer that is offered in faith will make the sick person well the lord will raise him up now you and i must must firmly believe that Jesus is still in the miracle business. And, and again, I've not talked about this for some times, and it's here in James, and it needs to be talked about. It needs to be discussed. Is it possible? I mean, maybe some of you have thought, is it possible, though, that somehow over these years, God's power has faded somewhat? And I would say to you, absolutely not. In case you've ever had this thinking, you know, maybe God has grown older, you know, with time because God's been around a long time. I mean, like, he's got to really be old now. And probably now over the years that God, maybe God has lost his touch. And I'm just saying to you, friends, that is utterly impossible. That is utterly impossible. And friends, it is crucial that you realize that God still loves to heal bodies every bit as much as he loves to save souls. And we just got to believe. And when you become convinced of that, you will do what James tells us we should do, and that is to take a step of faith, admit that you need the intervention of God into your life, and become very specific about what you would like for God to do for you. Go ahead and concede it, that the situation is impossible without His help, without His power. And people have been doing this. I, I love the honesty of scriptures. I love it that it doesn't hide stuff from us, you know, that are real life, in the trenches, people with real doubts and real fears and real concerns. In fact, I'm at times so much like this guy that Jesus is one day having a conversation with him. And he needs, he needs the intervention of God into his life. He needs Jesus to work a miracle for him. And Jesus asked him this question, this wonderful question. Jesus asked him, hey, do you believe? And I love this man's honesty. And I've said similar things to God hundreds of times before. Do you remember what the man said? If you re- read the account, you may recall it. When Jesus asked him, said, hey, buddy, do you believe? He said, Lord, I believe. I do. I do. Count me in. I believe. But help my unbelief. I, I really believe. I believe you can work a miracle. I believe you can do something. I believe there's no limitations with you. I believe that what I have need of, you have the answer. You've got the solution. Lord, I believe. 
but help my unbelief. Because you know what I think this man was struggling with? What we all often struggle with? I believe he's able to do it, but why would he want to do it for me? Why would he do it in my life? Oh, I can believe God. Have you ever found this to be true? Have you ever found it easier to pray for people than it is to pray for yourself? Have you ever found it easier to have faith for somebody else's situation than it is to have faith for your own situation? And what I'm saying to you, just go ahead, give it up, concede. God, here's what I need. This situation without your power, without your intervention, without your help, uh, I'm, I'm hopeless. I'm up a creek. And get very, very specific with God. In fact, I want you to read this verse with me, everybody. And how many of you know everybody means everybody? It doesn't mean one out of every five people. It doesn't mean three people in the row and the other people don't read. Everybody is everybody. And I want everybody to read this verse with me. Philippians 4 says, let's all read it together. And when you read it, read it out loud. That's helpful. Don't read it in your mind. Read it out loud. Here we go. You ready? Don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Tell him what you need. God's okay with that. That's what Paul is saying. This is Paul here in Philippians 4, and he says you can and should tell God everything. You can tell God everything. You've heard me say this before. Why would you not tell God when God already knows? You think you can keep your secret from God? God, I'm really thinking this, but I don't want you to know about it. God, I really want you to do this, but I'm not going to tell you, and I just hope you figure it out. God, I, you know, I've been keeping the, you know, do you, and maybe I'll tell you at some point in time, but I don't want to, hey, let me go ahead and put this, God already knows. You may want to go ahead and tell him. And Paul says, you can, and you should tell him everything. And you can express to God your worries and your doubts. I love what Ben and Kelly, and they, they just said we were honest. You heard Ben said, I was, you know, our fears. We had fears. We had doubts. We had worries. We, we worried. And you can express those to God. And you can let God know about your regrets. And you can let God know about your failures because all of us have had failures. So you can do that. Let him know your worries. Let him know your doubts. Let him know your fears. Let him know your failures. Let him know your regrets. But then having done all of those things, go ahead and get that out of the way if you need to. But then tell God what you need. That's what he said. That's exactly. Tell God. Those are the words of Paul. Tell God what you need. Let him know, God, I need you to heal my body. God, I need you to heal my body. God, I need you to touch me. I love the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Many of you have read it. The Bible says this woman had done everything she knew. She's in a desperate situation. The Bible says she spent a lot of time and she spent a lot of money trying to get help, some, some relief from her physical ailment. And everywhere she went, there were no answers. She spent all kind of money, and there were no solutions. And she's very, very desperate. She knows that Jesus is going to be in her town that day. And so the Bible says that while Jesus, and anywhere Jesus went, by the way, he was surrounded by people. And when Jesus is in, unless he had, you know, went alone to pray somewhere in, in hiding, but anytime he was where people were, people would crowd around him. And it says 
that this woman just pushed through. She just pushed through the crowd because she thought, if I can just touch him, I believe, you know, that I will be healed. I mean, what else? I've tried everything else. I've spent so much time. I've spent so much money. I mean, why not? Why not touch Jesus in hopes that something may change in my physical body? And it says she pushed through the crowd, and she reached out, and she just sort of touched the hem of his garment. She just sort of swiped him. And it's not like she just held him and embraced him and hugged him. She just touched him. And, and the Bible says she was immediately healed. In fact, the uni- this is unique language to me. It said Jesus is almost like he hit pause. He's got all these people around him. He said, wait, wait, time out, time out, time out. I just felt power go out from me. I don't even get that. I don't even know that I fully understand that. But it's like Jesus knew in that moment. He's like standing there, myriads of people around him, conversations, people trying to touch him, people trying to get prayed for, people trying to get healed. And in that moment, she reached out and Jesus said, wait, wait, wait. I felt power go out for me. And, and that, she's humbled and she's like, doesn't awkward. She doesn't know how to respond. But it was in that moment that power went out from Jesus and it healed this woman once for all. And so you can be specific. God, I need you to heal my body. I'm not getting any real assurances here. I'm not getting the answers. You know, we've been here and we've done that. And, you know, we've done everything. One of the things I want to mention, there are so many people that are part of the medical community that are a part of our church. There's a number of doctors and nurses and such that are a part of our church. And I want to just say to you, I want to commend you. I want to applaud you because many of you, in fact, I hope all of you, you take your talent, you take your gift, you take your ability, and you give credit where credit is due, and you thank God for the talent, and you give God credit for the ability that he has given to you to help be the hands of healing to so many people. And I want to just say thank you for not pretending to be God and letting God be God. And letting God use your talent and your intelligence and your wisdom to care and love for his creation. But maybe you're at that point where you're just saying, you know what, I'm not getting any real assurances here. I'm not getting answers. There's no conclusive proof that this can, anything can be done about this. Tell God what you need. That's what the Bible says. Tell God what you need. Tell him, be honest. Say, God, I'm asking you to touch my mind. My mind is afflicting me continually. I need need you to touch me. I need you to help me. Having done that, then, friends, just step out and believe. Look at what Bill Hybels has written. You'll see it up here on the screen. He said, if you know Scripture very well at all, you know that a step of faith is often required before divine power is revealed. Now, thirdly and lastly, and again, I'm, I'm just telling you, it would be so easy to just overlook and just say, hey, hasn't it been great together today? Wow, wonderful. Hope you enjoyed it. Let's close our Bible and let's all go home. But I don't want to do that because a lot of you have nagging questions about this. I've had nagging questions about this. Thirdly and lastly, does God always answer our prayers exactly the way we ask him to? Does he? Does God always answer the prayers? And I've got to stop and say no. He really doesn't. I've had some of my prayers that I wanted answered that God did not answer in the way that I wanted it to be answered. I know people that I know and love and trust that they've prayed earnest prayers to God, asking, and and that prayer has not been answered in the way that they have asked him to. Again, as to how it relates, how we should pray. You know, James says it. Paul says it. Ask specifically. Ask expectantly. I want you to listen carefully to these insightful remarks by Timothy Keller. He said, we modern people think of miracles as the suspension of the natural order, but Jesus meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. Listen closely to this. 
Keller says the Bible tells us that God did not originally make the world to have disease and hunger and death in it. Jesus has come to redeem where it is wrong and heal the world that is broken. And I want you to know, friends, that whenever God steps into the middle of a situation that necessitates his divine power, anytime God walks into the middle of that and he does that, somebody is supernaturally healed, then he deserves all of the credit and God deserves all of the worship. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, it was really not the sick person's faith, although God validates faith and encourages us to have faith. But that's not what caused the miracle to transpire, nor is it the praying person's power. And we know this, and I'll just hit it quickly because we're about out of time. In Acts chapter 3, there is this guy that he cannot walk. I was familiar with the story about while working on this talk, I thought about this guy, but then, and I thought I remembered that he had never been able to walk, but to validate that, I, I went and I looked at Acts chapter 3, and I said, okay, here's this guy, he can't walk, he's going to be healed, but I don't think he's ever been able to walk. And then when I looked, it said that this man in Acts 3, that this man was lame from birth. So all of a sudden one day, Peter and John, they're coming into the temple, they're coming to pray, and this guy's there, and he's in great need. He cannot walk, nor has he ever walked. He has been lame from birth. He's never taken a step in his life. He asks for prayer. They pray. They essentially say, hey, you know, you may be asking for, you know, some help financially because you can't really support yourself. But here's what I want you to know. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And this guy got up. And I'm telling you, he not only started walking, but the Bible says he started leaping and dancing and praising God. And, I mean, we get that. If you've never walked and you all of a sudden walk because of the power of God, that will, uh, that will change your life. And so people are standing around. They're like in awe, really. I mean, because they see what Peter and John has done, and they're like, really? Unbelievable. How did these guys do that? You've got to be kidding me. Unless there be a gathering and people mistake what has occurred, look at what Peter says. This is now verse 12 of Acts chapter 3, and Peter looks at the people that are looking at them, and he says, you're looking at us as if it were our own power, goodness, that made this man walk. Oh, no, it's not that at all. It's not us. It's God. Don't think it's us. It's the power of God. It was not his faith necessarily, and it was not our power. But it was the power of God being unleashed in this man's life. Supernaturally ill. But for reasons that will always be a mystery this side of heaven, sometimes people do not receive their healing on earth. And that's tough to swallow. That's painful. It causes a million questions to rise up in our brain. Why? Why does God heal this one and not this one? Why does God answer this particular prayer in the way that it was prayed and doesn't answer this one? Answers it maybe, but in a different way. Why does God say yes? Why does God say no? Why does God say not now? Why do some people get healed on earth? Why do some people get ultimately healed when they go to heaven? These are questions that only one day are going to be answered in heaven. How many of you know that there's going to be a long, long line when you get to heaven because of questions you want to ask? But you got all eternity. So take your time while you're waiting. Go over to Chick-fil-A. Have a sandwich. <laughs> Somebody will hold your place in line. Have some chicken minis on me. Our daughter is named after two incredible pastor's wives. Our daughter's name is Audrey Elizabeth. Audrey after Audrey Frazier. 
pastor and his family that I serve with right out of Southeastern. Great, great man of God, great family. And one of the most godliest women I've ever known, Audrey Frazier. That's our daughter. We took that name from her because of the honor and esteem that we have. Her middle name is Elizabeth, and that is after our pastor's wife growing up in Atlanta, Ruth Elizabeth Bray. Such high regard, such wonderful ladies, and our daughter is named after them. But neither of these godly women were able to sidestep their illness here on earth. Why? I don't know. They seem like terrific candidates to me. But as Isaiah 55 says, God's ways are not as our ways are. And I don't fully understand this, nor do I pretend. But I do want you to know, there are times... Listen, if God is not only omnipotent, which means that he is all-powerful, God is also omniscient, meaning that he is all-knowing. There's, God knows everything. And I do know this about God. There's a lot that I don't understand why this happens here, but not there. But this is what I do know about God. I do know that God sees things that we can never see. I do know that God knows things that we will never know, at least this side of heaven. But even when we have questions... Even when we have doubts and we do not understand, it is a good thing to let God be God and to trust Him and to worship Him, no matter how it may go. Take a look at what David Leem has said. He's a Bible scholar. Look at what he has written. He says this, It is God's will to heal unless God has a higher will for the immediate situation. That is to say, God always desires the best for us that we may glorify Him most effectively. Would you stand with me? Would you stand? Everybody stand. The band's going to come, and we're going to do one final song, and then we're going to dismiss. So I don't want anybody to leave right now. Just hang with me, because I don't want you to miss an opportunity that I'm going to mention right after this song. So what is James telling us as the band comes? Let me remind you. What is James telling us? He is telling us this in regards to healing. He says, you pray. And when you pray, you pray confidently. And when you pray, you pray specifically. And when you pray, you pray expectantly. And then you just go ahead and take a step of faith. And you call for the elders of the church. And you ask them to pray for you, anoint you with oil. And you may have been here a hundred times or a thousand times, or this may be your first time here. And you may say, you know, could that happen for me? Would somebody pray for me? Would some of the elders here anoint me and pray for me, anoint me with oil and pray for me before I leave here today, that will happen. And then trust God. Trust in His love. Trust in His care. God's ways are higher than ours. Sees things we can't see. Knows things we don't know. But He is able to be trusted. And we ought to put our confidence in Him.
declare that together. Healing is here. Say, healing is here. Healing is here. Healing is here. Yes, it is. Healing is here. Lift it up. I receive it.
sing it again. Sickness can't stay. Sickness can't stay any longer. Your perfect love is casting out fear. Thank you, Lord. For you are the God of all power. And it is your will that my life is here. You know, as a Christian, I've read James 5 so many times before. I don't think I've ever studied it as in-depth as I did in preparation for this talk. But this is what I know and was reminded of in studying James. And that is, this is not a complex, this is not a mysterious passage. This is not one that you say, perhaps this may be this or it could. You know what is very clear? James said it. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray. Pray the prayer of faith. Belief. You believe. And I want to just say that to you today. You may say, well, you know, I, I prayed before. All right, I get that. I have too. But perhaps this is your day. What would, what would it hurt? What would it hurt? You've tried so many other things. Why don't you let an elder pray for you and anoint you with oil and believe that God's going to touch you? And if he does it instantaneously, wonderful. If it's more progressive in nature, wonderful. If he does it through the medical, wonderful. However he does it, God is powerful. We sang it again and again. So here's what we're going to do. This service is over, and so we're going to have a couple of things going on at once. If you don't need anybody to pray for you or anoint you with oil and you're not sick and things are going pretty good in your life, remember what we saw in James earlier? Are you happy? Great. Celebrate. Worship. You can leave here today. Hope you have a wonderful day. Be here next week. You need to bring somebody with you. I'm just telling you. But for those of you that you want an elder to pray for you and anoint you with oil and agree with you and ask that God would touch your body or that God would touch your mind or that God would meet your need, then while everybody is sort of exiting, you just find your way down front. We're just going to hang out around the front, and we want to pray for you before you're done. So you come while everybody's dismissed. Those of you, you come. However many, you come, and we're going to pray for you. I love you. Have an awesome week. See you right back here next Sunday. Sickness can stay any longer. Your perfect love is casting out fear Cause you are the God of all power And it is your will that my life is here Sickness can't stay any longer Your perfect love is casting the God, you are the God of all power, and it is your will that my life is healed. Sickness can stay, sickness can stay any longer. Perfect love is casting a
God of all power, and it 